Well, we're continuing the series we started a few weeks ago in uh, encounters with the Lord Jesus. And uh, last week Richard uh, spoke about uh, the call of Peter, uh, the, the, the man who uh, was a fisherman, but who was going to become, uh, as it were, the leader or spokesman for the disciples. And uh, this time we're looking at the call of Matthew, who's a very different character, and uh, we'll see that as we carry on. So it's the call of Matthew. Uh, In uh, different uh, scriptures, uh, different passages in the scriptures, he's given different names. But uh, as we think about the the passage here, we're told that Jesus was in Capernaum, which was on the north-western shore of the, the Sea of Galilee. He just healed the paralyzed man that we've uh, just read about, uh, and he's outside the town uh, at the, the lakeside, and there are great numbers there who've come to hear him teach. Capernaum was an important place. It was important because it was on the, the, the international highway, uh, and it was important for collecting uh, taxes and duty on, on the goods that travelled between Syria and Egypt, and also uh, from uh, the road from Caesarea, on the Mediterranean coast came through there. And so the goods that were imported and exported all came through through there. And that's uh, where Jesus is. And as Jesus is there, he passed by the tax station. uh, And he saw a man called Matthew sitting there collecting taxes. And in Mark and Luke, uh, as I've said, he's called Levi, which seems to have been his family name. And it's possible that he, he took the name Matthew because he wanted to hide his identity. Uh, Why would he want to do that? Well, he was a tax collector. Well, I suppose, even today, nobody really loves tax collectors. They they have a job to do. Uh, Taxes are necessary. They're a legitimate means of raising revenue to run a nation. Uh, And Jesus, when he was asked by the servants of the Pharisees, is is it right uh, to pay taxes to Caesar, said, render to Caesar the things of the Caesars, and to God the things of the gods. But to be a tax collector in Israel at the time of Christ was a, a totally different ball game. The system of taxation lent itself to corruption because they, they got their earnings from what they gathered. So the more that they took in, the more they could uh, keep for themselves. And uh, we, we find that it was a system that uh, meant that tax collectors were usually rich. But more than that, they were hated. And they were hated for a number of reasons. Because not only did they cheat you, they worked for the oppressors. They worked for the Roman uh, armies that had uh, invaded and occupied uh, Israel. So Matthew who was collecting taxes for the Roman occupying forces, would have been seen as a collaborator, a traitor, and a crook. So he wasn't a very popular man. And you can understand why he would want to keep his true identity maybe a bit quiet. Uh, And the Pharisees and the people lumped them uh, with those they considered sinners, those who were the worst in society. So that's who Matthew is. And then we're told as Jesus uh, uh, passed uh, through and passed by the tax booth, uh, 
he saw Matthew sitting there. Now in Matthew 4, we're told Jesus lived for a while in Capernaum. He made it his base. And we can be certain that, that Matthew must at least have heard of Jesus and, and the wonderful miracles that he'd done. He may probably have heard him teaching before this. But there's certainly no evidence that he, he was interested in Jesus any more than anything else. Uh, like most people, he was content to get on with his life. It's nice to hear uh, something different sometimes. It's nice to hear uh, uh, nice messages. But it didn't really make any difference to a lot of people. And so as Jesus came near to where Matthew was working, something amazing happened. Jesus said to him, follow me. The first thing I, I want to see about uh, Jesus' call of Matthew is it was a call of grace. Grace is God's goodness to those who don't deserve it. The Bible tells us we are all sinners. We, we've broken his laws. We've turned away from the God who provided and, and cares for us. We don't deserve his goodness. Yet he doesn't turn his back on us. And as I've said, there was nothing special about Matthew. He wasn't better than anyone else in Capernaum. In fact, he's the opposite as far as many people are concerned. And he's despised by the people. But what's so amazing here is that people are amazed that Jesus would even speak to him. Most others wouldn't. Matthew himself was probably amazed. And if they were amazed at Jesus speaking, they would have been even more amazed. They would have been stunned at what he said to Matthew. He said to Matthew, follow me. And I'm sure they were asking themselves, why would Jesus want someone like this to follow him? Look at the man. Doesn't Jesus know what he's like? But we're told that Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was his plan. That was his purpose. And the Bible tells that there's no one is righteous, not even one. So although they would look down on Matthew, they weren't thinking about themselves. Matthew is the sinner. How can Jesus speak to him? But God's words are very clear. All have sinned. And the wages of sin is death. And we have to be honest and say that physical death is a consequence of sin. Before Adam and Eve sinned, there was no death. And they would have lived forever. But sin came into the world. Sin spoiled. So it brought physical death, it brought illness, it brought all the difficulties and troubles and trials that we see today. They're all the result of sin. But more importantly, the wages of sin are spiritual death. And when we think about spiritual death, what are we talking about? Well, the Bible uh, elsewhere calls this hell. Hell is a place of separation from God. Hell is a place of punishment. Hell is a place uh, where there is uh, nothing good at all. And hell is a real place. People 
think sometimes that hell is a place made up to, to, to frighten children, to keep people in order, or to, to keep uh, people in order, to do what the church wants. We, we think of the Lord Jesus and, and people think of him as the one who came and he preached uh, the gospel and he cared for people and he showed compassion. But we also see that the Lord Jesus Christ spoke more about hell than he did about heaven. Not because he was harsh or hard, but because he was compassionate. And he didn't want people to go to hell. So hell is real. And Matthew is a sinner. And Matthew is on his way to hell. But so are all those around. These people who are amazed. And yet God in his grace chose to call Matthew. God in his grace chose to save him. And it's not about being deserving. And it's not about being good. Because the Bible tells us there's none good but God. But it's all of grace. And grace is something we don't deserve. Grace is something that's given to us because God loves us. And for no other reason than that. In Romans 9, uh, we we read that uh, God says, I will have mercy on whom I will have mercy. And I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. It's a reminder to us that anything we receive from, the God, from, from God himself, either material or physical, is all of grace. And Jesus still calls sinners to himself today. And it's grace. And it's amazing. And we're going to sing uh, later, Amazing Grace, written by John Newton. Uh, and it was amazing to him that God could ever look upon him. God could ever love him. He was Uh, An evil man, he was a vile man. He was an immoral man, he was a slave trader. Yet God in his mercy saved him by his grace. And he's able to write amazing grace. And so the call that comes to Matthew, the call that comes to all of us, is a call of grace because it's something we don't deserve. And none of us are better than anyone else. Though we might like to think so. We might look around and think, well, we're not like them. The reality is, we're sinners. We can praise God for those who Jesus calls and who respond to him. Well, they are sinners saved by grace. But it's always by grace. For by grace you've been saved through faith. It's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. It's a gift. It's given freely. And it's not earned. And it's not deserved. So it's a call of grace. And it's an irresistible and effective call. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. We're told Matthew got up and followed him immediately. Jesus' words had power. And they entered the heart of Matthew. They gave him new life. And that's what we, we call conversion, being born again. And Matthew goes from being an outsider in his own country and community to being accepted into the family of God and uh, consequently to be an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He's the one who writes the Gospel of Matthew. What a change in this man. But it's a call, uh, an effectual call. It's irresistible. Matthew is called. And Matthew responds. What is Matthew's response? Well, first of all, he obeyed. 
and he followed Jesus. We think of Matthew. What, what does it mean to, uh, to Matthew to, to follow Jesus? Well, first of all, Matthew is changed completely. A change of heart, a change of direction. He was changed in a moment. And he would never be the same again. He left his old crooked life as a tax collector and became a disciple of the Lord Jesus. There was a new principle governing his life. It wasn't about getting money. He didn't want to please himself anymore. He didn't want to do the things he'd done before. He wanted to be with Jesus and he wanted to please him. He was an educated man. And God used those skills that he had, those skills in literacy, to do for good use. His skills in literacy... uh, would no longer be used to cheat and fiddle the books, but to write the first book of the New Testament. So he's changed. And we have to ask ourselves, what changes are to be seen in those of us who are Christians? What does God expect of us? In 2 Corinthians 5, we're told, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's a challenge for us. Have the old things passed? Have all things become new? Uh, Do we have a new uh, direction, a new focus? Not just outwardly, but what about our hearts? And then we're told Matthew was committed. And Matthew is very matter-of-fact in describing what happened. He doesn't take any credit for himself. And there is more detail recorded in Luke's Gospel where we're told not only did he get up and follow Jesus, but we're told he he left everything and followed Jesus. He was devoted to Christ. He made sacrifices for him. And we've heard it a number of times recently that the Bible tells us we are to be living sacrifices which are holy and acceptable to God. God, we're to be set apart to God and when we think about that and we think in terms of sacrifice, Jesus never promised his disciples the Christian life would be easy there are some who will tell us today that if we come to Jesus everything will be fine our lives will be great Uh, we'll have no more problems, that's not what Jesus says Jesus told his disciples, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. It's a life of sacrifice. It's a life of obedience. It's a life of commitment. What about us? Have we taken up our cross? Are we following him? Not just in terms of our salvation, but what about our lives? Are we living for him who died for us. Then Matthew was enthusiastic about Jesus. From the Gospel of Luke and Mark, we learn that Matthew held a great feast in his own house to mark his conversion. He shows Christian grace, he shows love towards Jesus and the other disciples. He opens his home to them. But he also shows concern for sinners. And he invited a great many tax collectors and sinners. The, the sinners 
uh, mentioned here, uh, are other ungodly and undesirable uh, people. They're not the sort of people you would want in your home. It's probably a kind of farewell banquet. It's uh, arranged in honour of Jesus. Uh, Maybe Matthew is saying goodbye to the, the old life and he's bringing in the new. And he's calling on them to follow Jesus as he had. But what we see here, there's a a concern for others. He's been saved. He's been changed. And he wants others to be changed. And so he invites them to this banquet. And there they are, and they're sitting there, and they're getting to know and meet the Lord Jesus Christ. He wants them to be saved. He has a gospel heart. The question we have to ask ourselves is again, are we enthusiastic about Jesus? Certainly Matthew was. Can people see something of the Lord Jesus in us? Do we have a heart for those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ? Matthew did. But then as we read through the passage, we see uh, there, there are some issues there. There are those who are not happy uh, and we have this group of people called the Pharisees. They're the religious leaders of the day. And we see their criticism of the Lord Jesus Christ. They were scathing about Jesus. And they asked his disciples, Why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? And the description of the people is probably correct. They were not the normal devoted Jews who obeyed the law. Many would have been considered Uh, ceremonial unclean because they didn't take part in the ceremonial washings. They didn't tithe, they didn't do the things that that was expected of them. And uh, the Pharisees considered that it was a great offence to have anything to do with them, let alone eat with them. And we remember uh, the prayer of, of the Pharisee uh, who, who sees a, a publican, a tax collector, a sinner, praying. Who, his prayer is, God be merciful to me, a sinner. And the prayer of the Pharisee is this, I thank you, God, I'm not like him. While failing to see that uh, within they are still sinners. So we have this criticism of him. Verse 12 tells us of Jesus' reply. Those who are well don't need a doctor. Only those who are sick. And it's a challenge to the Pharisees. Where else should I be? The difference between Jesus and the Pharisees was in their understanding of what were the priorities in the will of God. For the Pharisees, the first priority was obedience to regulations. But for Jesus, it's love and compassion for sinners. And he says, those who are well don't need a doctor. Uh, Jesus is the, the great physician. He's the physician of the souls. He's, he's a wonderful doctor. But a doctor needs to be where the sick people are. And that means sometimes getting their hands dirty. And Jesus was willing to reach out to those in spiritual need, those undesirables, those, those people who uh, others would have nothing to do. 
And we're told he came to seek and to save those who were lost. And elsewhere he tells us, I came not to call the righteous, we have it here, but sinners to repentance. Matthew was one of those sinners that Christ died for. He was, he was one that Christ called himself. He was an outcast, a traitor, a crook. And yet he's a trophy of grace. And he's a symbol of hope to all sinners. Because he shows us that no one is beyond the pale. Uh, as we, we think of uh, John Newton. If we'd thought about him, if we'd met him, well, we just think there's no hope for him. But there's hope for all. The Pharisees believed they were okay. After all, they did all the right things. They kept the rules. They offered their sacrifices. But didn't understand that respectable as they were, outwardly they were sinners. And we find later in Matthew 23, Jesus calls them hypocrites and says you're like whitewashed tombs we go to graveyards sometimes and and, uh, there are some beautiful marble edifices there and Jesus says you're like that outwardly can be beautiful but within full of dead people's bones and uncleanness We, we think of something beautiful like the Taj Mahal and we forget it's a grave and inside What's in there is dead. Uh, Jesus says that uh, within you are full of dead man's bones. Full of uncleanness. And that's really what uh, these Pharisees were like. They were like this beautiful edifice, the Taj Mahal. It's marble, it's, it's wonderful, it shines. Millions of people visit every year, but seem to lose sight of the fact of what it is. And we can be like them. We can think we're okay, we live a good, decent life, and we're not like others. And God's word challenges us. And we're told all have sinned and fallen short of of what God requires of us. And all of us, like Matthew, need to have our sins forgiven. But it also reminds us, as we look at this passage, that none are too good... And none are too bad to, to come. The Pharisees who thought they were good needed to come. Matthew, who was hated and despised, needed to come. And every one of us, if we don't know the Lord Jesus Christ, need to come to him today. That's the question we have to ask ourselves here. Have you come to Jesus? Have you come in repentance and faith? Christ died to save sinners. And Christ is still saving sinners. And there's still time to be saved. And Jesus still says, follow me. Have you followed him? Have you followed him as a believer? Uh, Are you being obedient to him and walking in his ways? Uh, Have you turned to him in repentance and faith and trusted him as your saviour? Pray that God would help each one of us to examine our hearts Help us to apply his word to each part of our lives. And also to remember that uh, 
God sent his son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. There is a place called hell. It is real. But more importantly, there's a place called heaven. Uh, And Christ came from heaven. He died to take his people home to himself. One day, he's coming coming back, and then it will be too late. But it's not too late now. The Bible says we're to call upon him while he is near. And the Lord Jesus Christ is near today. Jesus said to Matthew, follow me. Jesus says to us, follow me. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you that we can come before you. We thank you, Lord God, that there is access into your presence through our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And we pray, Lord God, that you would speak to each heart here. If there are those who don't know you, Lord, we pray, Lord God, you would open their hearts that they might follow you this day and have their lives changed and have a wonderful hope of heaven. Amen.